We're glad that you're here. I'm going to confess, I, I keep on expecting some people from our service to show up in the Spanish service because they forgot it was daylight savings time, but uh, just would like to see their expression when they walk in. Uh, but we're glad that you're here today. We're talking about going great, about the great commission and about the great commandment and what it means to us as disciple makers. And the question that uh, I hope you're asking yourself through this series is, uh, am I a disciple? Am I, am I a, a great commission disciple? Am I a great commandment disciple? Am I a disciple maker? And, and how am I doing in that journey? We've, we've used a tool uh, during this series uh, that uh, we call the up in and out. And it is um, modeled after Jesus's ministry and for our for purposes of our series, we're calling the, the up dimension, we're calling it great communion. It is uh, that, that fellowship with the Heavenly Father that's important. Uh, we're calling the in dimension great community. So that is that, that group, that, that community that we belong to as disciples that Jesus uh, established with the 12 and we need to establish also. And then the out dimension, we call it the Great Commission, the, the place where we touch the hurting world and where we make other disciples by sharing the gospel both in words and in deeds. And so uh, this is an evaluation tool. This is a tool that we use to evaluate ourselves. How am I doing in these three areas? It's a tool that we use to uh, challenge each other uh, as we sharpen one another. We, we ask each other, how are you doing in each of these areas that were important to Jesus? And if they were important to Jesus, then they ought to be important to us. Now, for the last three Sundays, we focused on the great communion aspect, the up dimension. But today we began to look at the in dimension, the, the great community dimension. And today's message is called belong. Belong, And so if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you need to know that you belong to a community of disciples. You already belong. That's a fact. But the question I want you to ask yourself is how are you enjoying the benefits of that community? How are you being obedient to God's commandment uh, of, of, of the great commandment, the great commission in community with others? How are you making, experiencing that? And so... We want to go to our text this morning, which is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, beginning with verse 34. John 13, 34. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now turn to someone next to you and said, Jesus said you're supposed to love me. Tell him that, yeah. And then turn to the other person and said, Jesus said I'm supposed to love you. Yeah. Love one another. The same night that Jesus was having the last Passover with his disciples, the same night that he shared that important meal is the night that he gave them this new commandment to love one another. As his departure was drawing near, as he was getting close to the cross and then the resurrection and then the ascension into heaven, he thought it was really important to tell the disciples that, he, that they should 
love one another. This was an important commandment for them. He knew uh, who they were. He knew that Peter was an impulsive guy who would punch a guy in the face if he made him angry. He knew that James and John were always competing to be in control, to be in power. They, they wanted to be the, the number one guy. And he, he said, man, you must remember when I'm gone. You must remember, remember, love one another. It is the expectation. It is the example. It is the evidence of being part of the community of disciples. So let's talk about those three. Uh, the, the, the expectation. The expectation is to belong to a community. When, when, you, when you come to Christ, when you get Christ, you get a community also. The day that you are adopted as a child of the Heavenly Father, you automatically become a brother and sister to all his other children. It's an instant thing. You become part of a family. You may not like your family, but they're the children of God that he has put there and you get to belong to them. I often talk to couples who are in premarital preparation and I tell them, listen, you're not just marrying an individual, you're marrying a family. And the sooner you come to accept that, the happier you're going to be. Uh, because I tell them, you might have fallen in love with an individual, but you're gonna need to learn to love your in-laws. They come with the package. It's a package deal, and that's what we get in the spiritual family. When we, when we fall in love with Jesus, when we become uh, his followers, and we commit to him, and we receive the gift of forgiveness, and automatically we get the family. Uh, we get to be a part of this community of followers of Jesus Christ, loving God and loving one another. It reminds us that the cross is both, both vertical and horizontal. It is our relationship with the Father, loving him, that is directly connected to our relationship with one another. You cannot separate the two. You automatically belong to the community of disciples when you become a Christ follower, but you don't automatically experience community. That's why Jesus has to give a command, love one another. It requires your will. It requires your intention. It requires intentionality to love one another. That's why Jesus chose the 12. Did Jesus love the 12 more than he loved the multitudes? No. Did Jesus play favorites? No. But he thought it was important to show us how you do community. So he chose 12 to, to be with them. That's why in the New Testament we have house churches in the book of Acts. They're the microcosms of the global body of Christ. You see, here's the thing. You and I belong to this huge spiritual family, and it includes all the believers from all times, from all places in the world. There are millions and millions of them, and it's hard to love people you don't know. We belong to that spiritual family, but it's hard to love people that are some abstract, spiritual, invisible concept up there. But, you know, so if you just come to worship, and that's all you do, and then you leave, it's hard for you to practice this commandment because if you want to love one another, you have to enter the mess of people's lives. You, you have to engage the people that are imperfect around you and learn how to love them, or it's not love. And so uh, here is this microcosm of the global body of Christ that we call community. Here, 
at Calvary, we, we call them families on mission. It's where people know your name and you know their name. It's where people know what you're going through and they pray for you. When, when you're sick, they call you. When, when you're in the hospital, they remember you. When, when someone in your family dies, they, they, they are there for you. Uh, sometimes you're part of a Bible fellowship, an ABF, or maybe you're part of a house church or a huddle. I'm so thankful that I get to be a part of a house group in a huddle because even the pastor needs community. The pastor and his wife need to be in community. You need to be in community. It doesn't matter how long you've known Jesus. It doesn't matter how much you know about the Bible. All of us need to be in a community where we get to love people and where people get to love us. And I'm so glad that I get to do that because I love this church and I love the, the people that I have community with and I feel the love. I am loved by God through you and I thank God for that and I wish everybody would experience the same thing. We've been asking people to give testimonies about their, their up and their in and their out and today there are two guys that, that are gonna share with us about their, their in uh, experience this great community experience and so listen to their testimony hi i'm gerald barlack and i've been attending calvary now for almost four years almost five years now this uh, fall and uh, my wife and i are involved in the worship department worship ministry here at calvary in both um, the 11 o'clock services we've been involved in the 9:30 services and also in the Spanish ministry with some of their events. I am part of a huddle, a group of three guys, and we usually try and meet two to three times a week maybe, and one of our favorite spots is Whataburger. So we usually go there and spend some time talking about what's going on. We definitely keep each other accountable. So we are huddle and we are also accountability partners, which is a wonderful thing. So we are involved uh, with a group, our worship ministry that we have meets on Sundays for practices and that's followed by uh, devotion and a time where we um, just focus on scripture and focus on what's God speaking to us uh, through the ministry of Calvary, through uh, the messages that are coming out and then how's that impacting us in the week ahead. Uh, Faith and I are also uh, starting a small group huddle with uh, young adults and we're looking forward to what God has in store for us through that. I'm also connected with uh, Reuben and a men's huddle and we meet on Saturdays and basically talk about how we can encourage one another in our faith and in our walk. Being a part of a huddle really does allow me to walk with Christ in a much straighter line. It, you know, being a part of a huddle definitely keeps you accountable with, you know, the things that you're doing every day, uh, staying in the Word consistently, staying in prayer consistently, staying in service through church and through different extracurricular activities, uh, having that those people to rely on to keep you in check. Huddles and getting together with uh, fellow believers and basically like the scripture says, iron sharpening iron. Um, I really believe, and I know my wife would say the same, that we see that it impacts our own lives because one, we're sitting down and thinking about others first, which is um, so important in scripture that we love others. 
and that we also esteem others and think of others more highly than we think of ourselves. And so preparing for those spaces and thinking about what can we impart, what's God saying to them is um, impacting us. It's changing our hearts as well. And I really believe that you can't truly grow well in isolation. There's just, there's something about human connection and that's why God made us the way he made us. And so that human connection is so important. And we're seeing um, people changing. We're seeing ourselves, you know, opening our hearts and opening our, our thoughts and our perspectives to others. And uh, seeing how God is at work in other people's lives is, is impacting us. Not only does my huddle keep me accountable, but we're able to just boost each other up and congratulate each other on what's going on and, and the milestones that we're getting to through ministry and everything that we're doing. We're thankful for, uh, for those guys. Pray for Josh uh, in the video. Uh, he is with hundreds of other uh, BSM students at Beach Reach this week, uh, sharing the gospel with spring breakers and serving them. And so pray that many would come to know Christ through this ministry. But, but uh, this is what Jesus expected of us, to belong to a community where we can practice this love one another. And, and the question you have to ask yourself is, do you belong to one? Are you part of a Bible fellowship or, or a huddle or a home group or, or somewhere where you can experience the love of God by loving one another? Secondly, not only is it the expectation, but it's also the example. The standard for the love that we need for each other is the love of Christ. He set the example for us. Notice that Jesus doesn't simply lecture on love to his disciples. He showed them how to love. He demonstrated love to them. He didn't just follow the intricacies of the philosophical assumptions of love and the Greek conjugations of the verb. He told them, this is how you love. This is how you engage in love. That's why we don't call our community groups, we don't call them classes because they're not just places where you go and learn knowledge. They're places where you're supposed to experience love. It's not just about the information that is shared in that group, but it is about the transformation that happens when, when you live it out, and that's what Jesus did. Uh, whether it's a home group or a huddle or a family on mission, it's more than a place to learn content. Jesus designed his in dimension his community as a space for modeling the kingdom life, to experience God's love. We use another triangle to talk about how Jesus did this, and, and this triangle that we call information, imitation, and innovation. And I'll just tell you rather quickly what that means is Jesus shared information with his disciples. He told them, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he gave multiple parables that gave information about the kingdom of heaven. But he didn't just tell them, he also gave them the example. So when he talked about God being a, a, a forgiving God, he showed them how to forgive. When he talked about God being the kind of father that, that welcomes the prodigal that comes home, he, he uh, called sinners to himself. He modeled it in a way that they could imitate it. The disciples could look at him and say, oh, that's how you do it. 
And so they would imitate it. And so when Jesus would die and rise from the dead and then go to heaven and be out of the picture, then the disciples could innovate. That means they could apply what they had learned from Jesus in new situations that they faced all the time in the book of Acts. Jesus didn't give them a manual for church. He didn't give them a set of rules. He gave them an example of how you live in the kingdom that they could imitate and then innovate. And that is a great way for us to be disciple makers. We make disciples by transferring the life of Jesus through our words and our example in such a way that they can do the same. You know, if you want to follow a good disciple maker, then don't find the person that knows the most about the Bible, but find the person that knows how to live that. Find a person that models what it means to love and to forgive and, and, and to show the fruit of the Spirit. It's not enough to teach others about our love. We must model it for them because that's what Christ did. Now, it, it says uh, to, for us to love one another the way Christ loved us. That's a pretty big standard. Did, did Christ love us because we were good? No. He loved us. When we were sinners, that means that you and I get to love people who are sinners. Did God love us because we are perfect? Of course not. He loved us with all our imperfections. That means that you get to love people in your group who are imperfect, and some of them are more imperfect than others. Did, 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 did God love us because we had all the right opinions and all the right doctrine because we're always right? Of course not. We're wrong a lot of the times. God didn't love us because we were right. He loved us in spite of the fact that we're wrong. And that means that when you love other people, you love them not because they have the right opinions, but because Christ loved you. And his love ought to go to them. God loves us and forgives us and is patient with us. He's gentle with us and, and, and he is kind to us. I'm just going to address the elephant in the room. Last Sunday night, we had a church in conference. Uh, that's the place where we make decisions here uh, in our church. And we had an item in our agenda that brought about very lively discussion. And, uh, and people expressed their opinions on both sides of the issue. And, uh, and then we voted. And, and, uh, but, but before the meeting, uh, th there's, there's a WhatsApp group for the active deacons. The active deacons of the church have a WhatsApp group. They share who they're visiting, who they're praying for, what's going on in ministry. And sometimes they share passages and scriptures to encourage one another. But, but one of the deacons wrote this in the WhatsApp group Sunday afternoon. He said, deacons, friendly reminder about the meeting tonight. Please be in prayer that we follow the path God has already chosen for Calvary. Business meetings can sometimes expose the fact that we are a family. And like any family, we don't always agree. Nevertheless, we have the privilege to meet, vote, and then come to a full dedication of the body towards our goals. See you there. When I saw that message, I said, thank God, our, our deacon body gets it. They get that we're a family. They get that, that our love for each other is bigger than our opinions about issues. They get the fact that our commitment to each other is bigger than any meeting or vote. You see, people in the world have an excuse for hating each other 
People in the world have an excuse for dismissing each other when they don't agree with each other. They don't know any better. They don't have the love of God at their disposal, but we do. We have a God who has loved us unconditionally. And so we get to live in that love and to go above and beyond what the world expects. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Our, our Bible fellowships, our home groups, our huddles are places where people can experience the love of God by loving one another. We pray for each other. We encourage each other. We forgive each other. We serve each other. Uh, that's why we don't do things that, that, are, uh, that are divisive in our groups. That's why it's important that in our groups we do things that are inclusive, that build up the body of Christ. That's, that's why we don't do partisan politics in our groups here at Calvary, because partisan politics exclude rather than include. Let me tell you something that you already know. Calvary is not Republican. Calvary is not Democrat. Calvary is not Libertarian. Calvary is Christian. We have allegiance to one, and his name is Jesus Christ. He's our Lord and King. The community of Christ followers has existed for 2,000 years. And in 2,000 years, kingdoms have risen and fallen. Governments have come and gone. And the one thing that has remained true for the church in 2,000 years is that our Lord is Jesus Christ. From the beginning, the Roman government wanted people to say, Caesar is Lord. But at the cost of their lives, disciples said, no, Jesus is Lord. And they were beheaded and they were killed at the Roman Colosseum for that. But they believed it. They believed that that is what ought to bring us together as the people of God. As a church, as a huddle, as an ABF, as a home group, we ought to rally around Jesus Christ, his love and his love and our love for one another. The writer of Hebrews tells the story of people who have lived out throughout history. History teaches us that when we love our opinions more than our brothers and sisters, bad things happen. History teaches us that when we put our hope in the state, it shortchanges the great commission and the great commandment. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Jesus gave us the example of what it means to live above the things of this world, the example of love. Then he commanded his disciples to love one another in that way. As we gather for Bible fellowships, for home groups, for huddles, we love one another in the same way Jesus loved us. I wish I had an amen every once in a while. The third thing is that it's the evidence, the evidence for loving one another, the evidence of being a disciple is our love for one another. That's our distinctive. See, if you are a follower of the one who laid down his life for you, then what ought to distinguish you from others is the way that you love. That's what Jesus is saying right here. See, the most attractive aspect of the gospel to an unbelieving world, it's not our doctrine, as important as that is. The most attractive aspect of the gospel to an unbelieving world, it's not our programs, as important as those are. The most attractive aspect of the gospel to an unbelieving world is not our position on political issues, as important as that may be. The most attractive aspect of the gospel to an unbelieving world is love. It's the way that we love one another. 
That's what ought to make us stand out from the rest of the crowd. Thank you. Now, uh, you, you've received uh, some prayer cards maybe when you came in or maybe when you go out uh, that uh, talk about uh, our missionary, David and Christy Chan in the Republic of, of Georgia. And I'm gonna ask Pastor Chad to come up here and talk to us about this idea of, of loving one another as the evidence of being Christ's disciples. And, uh, and, and when you read the prayer card, it'll have information about the Republic of Georgia there, where it is, it's your, your Asia, it's not Europe, it's not Asia, it's right in the middle uh, of those two places. And, and Pastor Chad, uh, tell us a little bit about the context in which uh, David Chan and Christy serve, please. Yeah, well, Georgia's an amazing country. It's very, very old. Um, there, there are churches there, Orthodox Georgian churches that are built in the 5th century, 6th century. Um, but Georgia just recently uh, was in, it became independent of Russia, uh, 2008 and then ultimately in 2013. So it's a new government, uh, five, seven years old at this point. And, uh, and so the country has a lot of pride in its heritage, a lot of pride in the history that's there, a lot of pride that they can dig in their backyard and find things that we would only imagine. Because um, it's, it's, there's so much that has happened there for all these years. And uh, so a couple of things you should just know is that 90-something percent of the, of the country, the inhabitants of the country, are Georgian Orthodox believers. And, uh, and so that permeates the culture of Georgia. And uh, because they have so much pride in their culture and so much pride in who they are and so much excitement about being independent, they're very, very harsh to anything that's not Orthodox. And, uh, and so all of the believers, the evangelical believers in the country struggle. They struggle to make ends meet. They struggle to, to meet together. Uh, they struggle just to, to get by. And so that's kind of the context of, of, of where David is working there. And, and so the, the evangelical churches uh, in this context of a state church, so the, the Orthodox church is the official church. They're one with the government. Uh, as often the church has done throughout history. But then you have these evangelical churches. And how do those churches live out the love of Christ, the, this love for one another reality? Sure. So when you're such a minority in, in a culture, you know that the way that they care for each other means so much. It means, uh, it means livelihood for them. It means how they, how they get by, how they connect, how they survive. So uh, just a couple examples of that. One of the guys, two of the guys that we were leading at our, our training last November, some of the pastors they came from, uh, distant places in Georgia. And uh, one of them was an ex-con man who had been in Ukrainian prison when a missionary visited him and he became a Christian and went back home to share his faith. One of the guys he shared his faith with was the former director of the KGB in, in Georgia. The guy's a pretty wow. tough guy. He talked about how corrupt he was and how bad things were. And then when he gave his life to Jesus, of course he lost his job and everything began to change and the people around him began to change. And Amari, the pastor who was the former con man, loved him really well. And they had this beautiful picture because uh, Omari's brother uh, was also a, a, a police officer who was persecuting Omari, was really mean to him. And then he became a believer and talked about how everything changed for him as well. And so their whole family is Christian and they're the only ones. They talk about how the neighbors are, are, are persecute them and how even the, the Orthodox priests and some of the police officers just don't understand why they've neglected their culture and turned on their own people. And, uh, and yet the love of Christ is what pulls them together. They depend on one another and it's invited them to, to bring others, the, the camaraderie, the, the livelihood, the, the joy that believers have together. 
is one of the things that makes the community of faith attractive to those who are outside of it. So, so you have maybe many people who are kind of have Christianity as a cultural thing, but then they discover a relationship with Christ because of the way that they see people loving one yeah. another in these house yeah. churches. Orthodoxy is, 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 it permeates every, every facet. Everything has its purpose. It's got so many tradition and rituals. Um, but the believers have this life, this, this love amongst them that just can't be replicated by the big buildings, by the big budgets, by the government support, and all the things that the Orthodox have. Uh, and it's almost poverty. The Church of, of Christ, the Evangelical Church, is just thriving. It's such a beautiful picture. And so that's what David's doing. David is there. He started to imagine Georgia to try to help sustain these communities, help these uh, small groups of believers um, build businesses that help provide funding for themselves, for the pastors. Um, and so they've done a couple of things. They've helped some guys with their beehives, their beekeepers. Georgians love fresh honey. And so they're, they're, they're doing bee projects. They, uh, they just bought a, helped a guy buy a car so he can uh, taxi people around town and make money to provide for his family and church. And so be praying for them because that's what they're trying to do, trying to sustain the community of faith as they care for one another. You know, one of the things here at Calvary uh, that we relish is the fact that we're a very diverse church, you know, in, in many different ways. Uh, and, and I know in the Republic of Georgia, in some places, there's a lot of diversity. And that's what really, that's what really loving one another uh, takes on a, a new dimension when you have, when you're known not by your differences, but by what holds you together. So tell us about uh, what's going on in, maybe in the margins of, of Georgia. So there's a lot going on, but the, the, the specifically we visited a ministry right on the Azerbaijan border. And a guy named Riza, who was a, 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 he became a believer in Iran and had to flee Iran because of the persecution that he was suffering. And, uh, and so he ended up there in Georgia, right on the border, and they have all of these different nationalities that are involved, Russians, Syrians, uh, Azeris, the Azerbaijanis, the, the, um, the Iranians and Iraqis. And we went to a church service there, so when I preached, they were translating from Georgian, from English to Georgian, and Russian, and Azeri, and Farsi, which is Persian, and it was just unbelievable to hear all the different languages and to see how a training center in that place in the world is impacting so many of the nations. The people that are being trained are coming out of those countries, being trained in Georgia and going back into those countries where they work and live and, and, uh, and, and operate all the time. And uh, so it's just an unbelievable, the reason David chose there, the reason why David and Christy are in Georgia is because they see it as a crossroads of, of the world where so many of the Middle Eastern countries are interacting uh, with European countries and, and so many of the refugees from Syria and Iran, Iraq have been going there. And it's just an unbelievable place, and God is just using it in incredible ways. So just as, as I finish up, I just want to encourage you guys to remember David and Christy. Remember their partners. Remember Imagine Georgia. And ask that God would just give them the, the resources that they need. But um, even more than that, give them the unity of the body of Christ. Because together they can do so much more, and they depend on it. They need each other. And so be praying for them as Amen. well. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank, Thank you. you for sharing with us. What an incredible... Uh, story of the love of God. That's, that's the power of love uh, in, in the middle of, of a place that otherwise would not have known it. And this is a testimony that we can give to an unbelieving world. Uh, there is a, an author that we have read and that has started many of the church planting movements. His name is Steve Smith. And recently he was diagnosed with cancer and he's been given just weeks to live. And his body is, is getting thinner and and, and he's just days away from, 
from going to eternity, but they still send out a prayer letter. And this week they send out a prayer letter and, and I, had, I read something that really touched me, written by Steve and his wife. Uh, I wanna share with you, this is what they wrote. One thing I have reminded of this past week is the many people Steve has touched, not through his teaching or writing, but just through his love. So many more people need to experience that love. It is our job not only to carry the torch of finishing the task of the Great Commission, but also to love others extravagantly, the way Jesus loves us and gave his life for us while we were yet enemies of God. Love someone intentionally today. Bonus points if they are difficult to love. I love that. I couldn't have said it better. Obeying the Great Commission is important. But obeying this commandment to love one another is equally important. Love one another, Jesus said. It is his expectation. It is the example that he gave, and it is the evidence that we belong to him. Here at Calvary, we, we make disciples by experiencing God's presence in worship, by embracing authentic community in a group setting, and by engaging in God's mission to the world. I, I use this graphic of of three bubbles to talk about those worship, the, the up uh, community, the in and mission, the out. And it is at the crux of those three things that if you're engaged in those three things here at Calvary, that you are growing to be a disciple. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you belong to the community of disciples. If you wanna experience God's love in a richer way, you need to be in community. You need to be a part of a group. Join a house group, join a Bible fellowship, Start a huddle, but be with others that you can love and they can love you. If you're not part of a group, then I, I, I pray that today you will, you will say, how can I do that? How can I be a part of that? And make a commitment to look into that, to pray about that, and join so that you can have this dimension in your life. If you're already in a group, then this is what I like to ask you to commit. Commit to loving one another. Encourage the leadership of your group to say, hey, let's remember that the main thing we're about here is Jesus and loving one another. Everything else is important, but the most important thing is to obey his commandments. And then pray, pray that that, that will be true all throughout our church in a way that people will see us and they'll say, I want that. That when the unbelieving world sees us, they say, I wanna know that kind of love that people have. Would you, would you think about that? Would you commit to that? Maybe, maybe you'll mark it in your, in your notes, there's a little checkbox there. Uh, maybe you wanna write it somewhere else. Maybe you just wanna pray silently where you are. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me as you commit. Maybe, maybe what you need to do today is to trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. You're not a follower, you don't know his love yet, but you can know it by trusting him, by trusting that what he did on the cross is enough to forgive your sins and his resurrection is enough to give you power to live for him and you wanna be a part of that movement, then you can join it by trusting Jesus today. Maybe you wanna follow him in believer's baptism or join this church. Maybe you have a need in your life. Maybe you need reconciliation. Someone offended you or you offended someone and, and you need to ask forgiveness, you need to reach out. You know, loving people sometimes means forgiving, sometimes it means speaking truth into their lives. Sometimes it means calling them out and saying, that's not okay. And so maybe God is leading you to do that. What, whatever it is, maybe you have a physical need or, 
or a financial need or a family need, you can trust God with it. The, the altar's open. There's places where you can kneel up here. I'll be up here. I'm going to ask some pastors and deacons to be up here. And, and we'll love to pray with you for whatever need you have. We're in 40 days of prayer. We're seeking God's face. So make a commitment, seek him, pray for somebody else, but let God's spirit lead you as we do that. We'll sing, you respond.